But open your Bibles with me. The scripture reading this morning will come from 3 John. <clears throat> 3 John, starting in verse 1. The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health, just as your soul prospers. For I rejoice greatly when brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you, just as you walk in truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Amen. The singing has been wonderful this morning. Thank you, Bradley, for leading that and for the prayer and the reading. It's good to be in worship. It's good to be in this country, and I hope you've had a great weekend. Uh, if you're visiting here today, if you're traveling, if you're passing through, we're glad that you're here. If you're looking for a church home, I hope you'll consider making Savannah your church home and, and staying around and getting to know people. This is a great family of God's people, and so you're in a good place today. I want to pass along a recommendation as we get started that was recommended to me this morning. If you were unable to be here this past Wednesday evening for the summer series, I would challenge you to do what I'm going to do this week. Go to the website and listen to the lesson that Philip Jenkins delivered uh, talking about the Christian response to everything that's going on right now. I've been told that the lesson was excellent, and I'm going to be listening to that this week, and I hope that you will take advantage of that also if you had to miss out on it. Uh, you may want to keep your Bible open to Third John that was just read in an excellent way. That will be our main text today. Uh, you may have heard the story about the pitiful man whose fiance broke their engagement and shredded his tender heart. However, he later received, a, it was a letter of apology, and it included a request for reconciliation. And this is what the letter said. Dearest Jimmy, no words could ever express the great unhappiness I felt since breaking our engagement. Please say you'll take me back. No one could ever take your place in my heart, so please forgive me. I love you. I love you. I love you. Yours forever, Marie. P.S. Congratulations on winning the state lottery. <laughs> and I understand the lottery's not, well, they weren't Christians. Instant prosperity kind of changes the game sometimes. Um, a discussion about prosperity when everything we seem to be hearing is doom and gloom, at a time in our country where maybe we feel like we're losing some ground, I believe a discussion about prosperity is appropriate. First, because a discussion about prosperity is biblical. I also believe it's appropriate because this is a weekend where we celebrate our freedom and we celebrate our independence. And when you're celebrating, it causes you to be thankful. And thankfulness causes us to think about the provider of the blessing. And that's God. It's appropriate because on another first day of the week when we come together to offer up our worship to the provider of every blessing, the, the provider of every perfect gift, it's appropriate to think about the way He's blessed us. 
As we get started today, I'm reminded of something that Ronald Reagan said years ago. He said, America was founded by people who believed that God was their rock of safety. I recognize we must be cautious in claiming that God is on our side, but I think it's all right to keep asking if we're on His side. And maybe as much as anything, that's what this lesson is about this morning. It's about uh, thinking about our blessings and examining whether or not we're still on God's side. I realize there may be some times where we're tempted to feel guilty about how blessed we truly are. Why should God have blessed me and why should God have blessed my family with so much when there are children who will go to bed hungry tonight without enough to eat? And hopefully as we think about the way we've been blessed, that will remind us of our responsibilities. I also realize that there may be some folks who thinking this morning about current circumstance, my current circumstance, it is far from where I don't feel prosperous today. You may be thinking that. Prosperity may be one of those things that seems to be way out of reach right now. But again, as we celebrate freedom, and as we offer up our worship today in gratitude, I believe it is appropriate to think about prosperity But there's a key. And the key comes from 3 John. The key during great times, the key during times that aren't as good as we'd like them to be, the key is always to make sure that we're seeking what I'm going to call for today real, genuine prosperity. In other words, our goal should be always be seeking prosperity in a biblical way. And that's what we get in this text, this brief text here in 3 John. It provides the insight we need as as John offers up this prayer for his friend Gaius. And in doing so, he reminds us of what real prosperity is all about. He's going to remind us that it's appropriate to seek prosperity in every aspect of our lives, provided our priorities are in line. And so with that, we think about 3 John, and we begin this morning by talking about the prayer for real prosperity. And with that, I want you to notice John has penned this letter to his friend Gaius, the elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. And then the first part of verse 2 says, Beloved, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health. John has written this letter to a pillar of faith in a church, in a congregation, in a church that has some trouble. You probably remember from reading the rest of this brief letter, there's a guy in this church, and his name is Diotrephes, and and he's a guy who one translation says he wants to have the preeminence. He wants to be first. He wants things to be done his way. He's stirring up trouble in the church. And it's against this background that John pins this letter to this pillar of faith, a man named Gaius. And he says, Beloved, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health. Now, as we begin thinking about this, one of the things I would submit to you is that too often, when we start thinking about prosperity, we limit our thinking to things uh, financial or to things monetary. And and one way to self-test on this, when you first saw the lesson notes, when you first saw the lesson title this morning, did your thoughts immediately jump to things financial? I think it's very normal for us to do that, but I believe it kind of limits 
the definition. Think about a couple of definitions for the word prosper. Uh, Webster gives us this one. He says to become strong and flourishing. That's a pretty good definition. But then I also like what one of the scholars who wrote more from a biblical perspective said. He said the literal meaning of that word is to have a good journey. And I love that definition. That definition in my mind is excellent. And it's excellent for a couple of reasons. One reason the definition to have a good journey is so excellent is because it it introduces the subjective aspect of prosperity. In other words, whether or not I'm having a good journey has a lot to do with my perspective. Things are going to happen, and, and my perspective toward the things that happen has a lot to do with whether I regard my journey as good or not so good. And so prosperity, there's a subjective aspect to that. Thinking about this prayer for prosperity that we see John mentioning here, we ask, and we ask a lot, lots of Christians asking God for lots of things, not the least of which is that that God will bless us financially, that He'll bless us with what we need to take care of our families and, and to live life here in a culture where it takes a lot to live. But thankfully, from John's prayer, the idea is conveyed that there's nothing wrong with asking God for physical blessings. And it happens throughout Scripture. In James uh, chapter 4, the second part of verse 2, James makes the comment, you do not have because you do not ask. In other words, you ought to be asking. David prayed for the Lord's blessing on his people in Psalm 144 verses 12 through 15. He prayed for God's blessing. He prayed for physical blessing. And then we all remember the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7, words that are very familiar. And and sometimes we sing about these words. But in verse 7, Jesus says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. And He continues this discussion. And then finally He gets to verse 11, and He says, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, and we understand that, we know how to give good gifts to our kids, he says, how much more will your Father who's in heaven give what is good to those who ask Him? It's appropriate to ask. And so John's prayer for Gaius is that he may prosper in all respects along with being in good health. It's a good prayer. Think about the doors that open for the Christian who's blessed with physical prosperity. In other words, when God has put resources at your disposal, when God has put resources at my disposal, it positions us well to be able to dispense hospitality, to take care of people, to meet needs. It might involve taking in an orphan. It might involve aiding a good cause. It might help us to to avoid being a burden to others later on. When God blesses us, it positions us well. And then consider the blessing of physical health. Is it just me? Or do we sometimes not... Do we not get too concerned about physical health until it starts to depart? Until it starts to leave? 
till we get to that point where we're waking up with new aches and pains every day and where, you know, a lot of days we don't remember to be thankful for the fact that we do get up and we don't hurt and we get up and we can do what we want and we're not limited on... We need to be grateful when God is blessing us physically. When we're healthy, we've got more opportunities to serve. One of the things I've seen happen through the years in working with our students and maybe leading a campaign group uh, somewhere and we go into a town and we work with a church and we arrive and there's almost always someone in the church where we arrive and they want to be out with the students and they want to be out doing the work and they're limited physically and they lament that. Or we'll be inspired by the person who really ought not be out there. They've got a physical disability that, that probably would keep me at home but they do get out there and they do the work. If we're healthy, we need to be grateful. And, and think about this. If an apostle saw fit to pray for the physical well-being of a fellow Christian, my physical health prob- probably deserves my attention. I need to give some thought to that. You know, now more than ever because of what God allows our medical community to discover, we have the opportunity to, to take care of ourselves better than we ever have. And we need to do that. As we consider the prayer for physical prosperity and for health, perhaps this is the time in the lesson for us to again be reminded about the idea that the Lord has blessed us tremendously and that we ought to be grateful. This prayer, in one sense, it's been answered over and over and over in our lives. And sometimes it becomes easy to focus on our problems and it becomes easy to focus on the challenges that are in front of us. And it's easy to forget the level to which we've been blessed. And yes, we face challenges. And yes, times are troubling. And yes, that that day like Brother Bill prayed about, the day may be coming where we actually have to stand up for our faith with opposition. But in the meantime... In spite of the challenges, God has continued to rain down blessing after blessing on us. We're still the richest of the rich. We know how to be more healthy than we ever have. And it becomes easy to forget that the greatest percentage of people in the world would trade places with any one of us in a heartbeat given that opportunity. And so we must be thankful. And as we are reminded of of the ways in which we've been blessed, we would do well to spend less time looking around at somebody that's got more than we do, or wishing or lamenting, less time looking around, more time looking up and then bowing down in thanksgiving. Before we leave the concept of the prayer for real prosperity, though, I think it's worth asking about the motive. We, we know we've established that we ask. We've established that God wants us to ask. But I think it's appropriate to be reminded, what is my motive? What do I want? Why am I asking? You know, do I ask God to bless me physically so that I can be more effective in the kingdom? Do I allow Him or do I ask Him to bless me physically so that I can do more in His service? Or do I sometimes get it all wrong? That prayer that is all wrong because maybe like in the open, either I've fallen into the trap of falsely believing that the blessing of prosperity is all about money or 
Maybe I asked for physical things for all the wrong reasons. We mentioned James chapter 4, and you probably remember verse 3. James explains the problem that we create when we ask for the wrong reasons. He says, you ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, so you may spend it on your pleasures. Do I ever fall into that trap? And finally, do we pray this prayer for others as often as we should? See, it's normal for me to pray that God will bless me and that God will bless mine, and it's normal for you to pray that God will bless you and God will bless yours, but it's almost ironic that everything we've talked about related to the prayer for real prosperity, it's not John praying for John. This is John praying for Gaius. This is John praying that God will bless his friend. How often do we take time to pray that God will bless someone other than just me, other than just you. The next thing we want to notice, and we'll get more quick as we move through these, but we want to talk about the paradigm for real prosperity. And paradigm simply means an outstandingly clear example, a framework. Is, is there a pattern revealed in the text for what real prosperity is all about? And I believe there is, and I believe we find it in the last part of verse 2. Beloved, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health just as your soul prospers. John's prayer for Gaius is that he becomes strong and flourishing. John's prayer for Gaius is that he have a good journey just as his soul is strong and flourishing, just as his soul is having a good journey. And Gaius is strong and flourishing spiritually. The, the truth abides in him. You see that in verses 3 and 4. His walk with God is evident to the people that he's doing church community with. And so if God answers John's prayer for Gaius, what a blessing it will be for Gaius. In my work with school, I'm blessed to meet people and sit down and visit with people who understand this paradigm, who have this paradigm ingrained in their lives, the idea that they're trying to have a, a strong journey physically, and, and it's all based on the idea that they've got a strong relationship with God. Several years ago in December, we received a $1,000 gift from a guy down in Texas. And normally when somebody's giving at that level, we kind of know who they are and we know how they're tied in. We kind of know their story a little bit, but we didn't, I didn't know this guy. President Jones didn't know this guy. And so I called him to thank him and I told him, I said, next time I'm down in, you know, next time I'm in your area, next time I'm in Houston, I want to come by and visit. And so I sat down with him to visit. We had lunch. And as we were eating that day, uh, this, this gentleman, he said, my goal is to make as much money as I can. And I thought to myself, wow, I said, yeah, I'm thinking, you know, a lot of, a lot of times we think that, but, but this guy's actually got the courage. He's saying it out loud. I'm trying to make all the money that I can. And while I'm still processing these thoughts, then he says, that's my way of doing ministry. See, this guy, he's, he's probably never going to be a front lines guy in the church. He's probably, I don't know, he may lead public prayer, but he's, he's, he's going to be a quiet guy. He may never teach a Bible study, but see, God blessed him with his ability to make money. As we're eating lunch that day, 
He said, I've never paid more than $5,000 for a car. And as he said that, I thought, wow. I thought, man, I've only ever paid less one time, and it was for an old truck that I was scared to go to town in. You know, but, but he said, you know, I live close to where I work and I don't travel a lot. He said, I just never felt like I needed anything more than that. This guy back in the 80s, the early 80s, he started investing in this little place, buying stock in this little company you've probably heard of called Walmart. And he continued to buy stock in that, and he bought stock in some other things. And this guy, his, his situation is different than yours, it's different than mine. He, he's never been married, he's in his 60s now, he's, he does, so he doesn't have family concerns like some of us do. But what this guy's done is he is well off. And he's using what he's accumulated to make sure that God's work gets done. And then even in his his estate plan, he's got this provision where preachers are going to continue to be trained to preach the gospel. And see, every time I sit down and spend time with a guy like this, I realize I'm a long way from having the paradigm ingrained in my life the way it needs to be. Every time I sit down with somebody like this, I realize that there's so much to learn about prosperity. Because you think about that story and you think about this text, one of the questions that we really ought to be asking is this, would I want John to pray this prayer over me and my life? In other words, to, to the degree my soul is prospering, to the degree of the strength of my walk with God, would I then want God to bless me physically according to the strength of my walk with God? That might be a scary prayer for some of us. Because sometimes to have this prayer answered in a positive way, it might be a curse rather than a blessing. In other words, sometimes I choose to live selfishly. And sometimes my, my soul, my, my walk with God isn't the prosperous walk that it ought to be. And God has continued to bless me physically anyway, in spite of myself. Our focus must be on growing a soul that is strong and flourishing. And, you know, Jesus talked about John 10, I came that they may have life and that they may have it abundantly. And, and, and so our goal, well, think about these questions, some self-exam questions. Number one, do I seek spiritual prosperity with as much energy as I seek physical prosperity? See, that's a good question. Number two, does my walk with God receive as much attention as I give to my finances? Number three, could I improve the balance between the two? Number four, is my spiritual health as important to me as my physical health? You ever notice how maybe there's something going on in our lives sometimes? We know something's amiss spiritually. We kind of know we're out of step with God. And we somehow will make this false assumption that time will just magically fix that spiritual problem. See, we don't normally do that with physical health. How many pains do you have to have run through your chest before you dart off to the emergency room? Or... If you ignore the pains that are in your chest and you don't go get checked out, what are people going to say, especially your family? 
story a few years ago about a guy. He wasn't feeling well at all. He was, he was dragging, just he was feeling horrible. And his family, those close to him, they're, they're trying to get him to go to the doctor and he would not go. And he drops dead of a coronary. And the family's thinking, why didn't he go to the doctor? You know, we crush people when they, they know something's wrong and they won't go. But then spiritually, when we know things are wrong, do we assume that they'll just get better? Or do we actively seek to get back in step with God? A prosperous soul is one in which one's heart and mind has opened itself up to receive all that Jesus taught. Spiritual prosperity occurs when I'm offering up my life to God as a, as a spiritual sacrifice. Most of us seek physical prosperity each and every day. And the question becomes, am I willing to seek spiritual prosperity with the same level of devotion and energy as I'm seeking physical prosperity? Is the paradigm in place in my life? And then finally, as we finish this morning, we think about the proof of real prosperity. Uh, This lifestyle of walking in truth. Notice verses 3 and 4 from the text. For I was very glad when brethren came and testified to your truth, that is, how you're walking in truth, I have no greater joy than this to hear of my children walking in the truth. And so other Christians, they look at Gaius and they look at his walk with God and they understand by looking at Gaius and looking at his life, they can see what's important to Gaius. In fact, they're actually talking to John about this. When my church family looks at my life, what will they conclude is important to me? Because Gaius has the reputation of being the real deal. He's a pillar of stability in a, in a church that's dealing with some trouble. Because see, when, when other people see us walking in truth, when they see that in our lives, we become a blessing to everyone who sees it. We become a blessing to our brothers and sisters, the, the idea that we are family, and when, they, when someone sees us walking in truth, we bless each other. My life should be an encouragement to the people that I'm trying to go to heaven with. It ought to be. And it's greatly motivational if I'm trying to do right and I'm trying to walk in truth and I walk over and I see you walking in truth and we're trying to walk in truth together. We motivate each other to keep on keeping on. And then while it's not a part of this text, see, the evangelistic side of it never needs to be lost. In other words, we don't talk in this text about what others outside of the church are seeing. The people who need Jesus, they need to see us walking in truth. They need to understand what's important to us just by the way they see us living life because those are the kind of things that will get them interested in wanting to know more about Scripture. And so am I seeking real prosperity first and foremost? Am I as thankful as I should be? Would I want John to pray this prayer over me and would I want the Lord to then answer it accordingly? If you're here today and you happen to not yet be a Christian, the answer you'd have to give right now would be no. Because real prosperity is found only in Christ. In other words, you surrender to Him, you bring your life to Him, you're baptized into Him. That's the beginning. 
of real prosperity. And maybe you need to make that beginning to get today. Is my life, for those of us who are already Christians, can, can I go to the mirror and can I ask the question, is my life a picture of one that is walking in truth? And if I see some shortcomings, what can I change this week? How can I be challenged to have a better walk with God this week? What might that look like? If it involves making a new start, if it involves the prayers of your church family, you can let that be known today. If my brothers and sisters, if they were to complete an anonymous survey about my life, what would they say is important to me? More importantly, what is God saying when God looks at my life? Today, as Bradley leads us in the song that's been selected, if there's a spiritual need in your life, if there's a way that you need to respond, as you think about the way God has blessed you, let that be known while we stand and while we sing. I can never resolve, no.